0: do you like games cool do you like fantasy football well you're here do you like games about fantasy football sweet i have the perfect podcast for you dynasty game night hosted by yours truly russ fisher matt price John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella, we play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game, about a game, about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts.
1: Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast.
2: With your host, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price.
1: Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast, Dan, Matt, and Ryan, and we are coming at you with episode five ninety-seven of the show. Lots to get to today, including a talk about fantasy playoffs, which uh, hopefully will give some of the commissioners out there, or even managers, some ideas about how to improve maybe some playoffs. Or if you're thinking about adding a league, creating a league next year, we can talk about how we like to set up our playoffs to ultimately crown a winner. We're also going to hop in the Dynasty DeLorean to talk dynasty values uh, of players down the road. But first, we should talk to the guys, Ryan, Matt. It was a interesting week 14 so far. Ryan, I know uh, your kitchen sink leagues are already well into the playoffs, but most leagues are wrapping up the regular season this week and getting ready for the games that really matter.
2: Yeah, last week of the regular season in most leagues. Last week of the regular season in, in those underdog best ball leagues we spent a lot of the offseason doing. I was kind of had one eye on on those as uh, as the games rolled on on Sunday but uh overall a, a good week
1: and uh you know ready to go for the fantasy playoffs. I am I think I mentioned it last week there's one league that I'm really hoping to sneak into the playoffs. It's actually the League Tycoon league that I, that we talk about on the show every now and then League Tycoon is a is a sponsor of the show and that that setup is great. But I've, but my team, on the other hand, man, I've got banged around a little bit. The injuries have hurt quite a bit. Top three quarterbacks going down. We're we're saved by Jordan Love and and company there. So uh, I'm I'll be watching that for Sunday night and Monday night to see if I can sneak into the playoffs. Other than that, pretty good season, Matt. You said you uh, have a couple rebuilds that were going to keep you out of the playoffs, but things uh, otherwise were pretty good going into the postseason.
0: Yeah, I I had some good luck and bad luck this week. I had Justin Herbert in one lineup. That's not gonna. I think I'm still gonna win that matchup, but that's not great. I had some uh, good luck for me, bad luck for the other manager in Redlist. One we're competing this week for uh, the the division title, basically, uh, and he has Jamar Chase and Jeff for Jeff Justin Jefferson. And I thought I was toast, but uh, those guys helped me out today by. I guess one of them got hurt and one of them just had Jake Browning as a quarterback. So, uh, I know, know. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, he, he was quarterback three this week. I shouldn't, I shouldn't throw shade on Jake Browning. All right. Uh, would did I think Jamar chase dropped a touchdown in the end zone or was interfered with it? Whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I got lucky this week. Those guys did not, uh, did not score well for the other team.
1: Lucky. You know that that comes into play, unfortunately, in this fantasy game. I was looking at scores right before we hit record, and somebody in one of my league, a local league, ended up losing a playoff spot on the offsides by um, by Kadarius Tony. Oh man! So oh, yeah. oh, oh man! He, he had the combo. I think he was down nine points. Had the combo of Kelsey and. Um, and Mahomes, and that touchdown would have put him just over with the yardage by Kelsey, oh. <laughs> uh, just enough. And of course, the Chiefs end up uh, failing on fourth down. The game ends, and he falls short. I, you know, th- there's all those kind of stories that you know the Je- Justin Jefferson managers out there. Maybe maybe the Jefferson injury hurt you, and you're just trying to sneak in. He's coming back to try to win you this week, and goes out of that game earlier early because the astronaut can't pass accurately enough to keep his <laughs> best player uh, healthy the the injuries you mentioned Herbert the injuries really piled on it feels like that's been happening week in and week out now we're all getting ready for this postseason and we'll have an opportunity to talk about how we set up our post seasons but man does it feel good if you got the bye, right if you're sitting next week and maybe you have a couple players nicked up you can get past that first round of the playoffs we hope all of you out there uh, have the buy or at least get advanced into the playoffs this week. Before we get to the show, guys, we should mention our friends over at League Tycoon. Those guys, uh, those guys have a great setup. They they have such a great mobile app. Um, it makes everything so easy. In fact, I was uh, I was doing a little Christmas shopping on Sunday morning, setting some lineups. Me and my wife were out uh, in stores. It was so easy to go to League Tycoon's mobile app and set my lineup. I looked over available players to see if anybody missed like a Jarek McKinnon or something in that league. It is a contract league. Uh, and it was just, it was just a breeze. You know, some of the other apps make it so difficult to click around and find the players that are available. Even set your lineup. It's kind of clunky, not on league Ty- league tycoon. You can do it in seconds, even in line at, uh, when you when you're at the at the big box store, so if you haven't thought about playing in one of these contract dynasty leagues, uh, give it a second thought. And if you're gonna uh, consider it, go check out League Tycoon. They do such a good job. They they perfected that platform for these kind of setups, salary cap and contract leagues. They're super easy to set up, and they offer a ton of configuration and management options. So go to leadtycoon.com right now to get further information and download that app as well. And if you use the promo code DLF when you're creating that league, your first year is going to be absolutely free. The Startup. We could have talked about some of those injuries, some of those big games as well in the startup, but we thought we'd uh, talk about a player we haven 't really touched on since draft season guys let 's talk about Chase Brown and his impressive two week spurt I would say in that uh bengals offense. He carried it eight times on sunday and and just had twenty five yards rushing, but three catches for eighty yards, couple really nice screen passes, including a long touchdown. Looked good on Monday night last week in week 13 as well. Nine carries for 61 yards versus Jacksonville, Matt. And if you watch that Bengals game, or really if you've watched any of their last eight quarters on the field, and you saw Joe Mixon kind of plodding away, and then all of a sudden number 30 comes in and gets the ball in his hands, there's a burst that doesn't exist with Mixon anymore that certainly does with the rookie. It really does feel like Chase Brown, is earning a bigger role down the stretch. And maybe that'll turn into something more down the road for dynasty managers who have had him on the bench for a year.
0: Yeah, he really hasn't got a lot of play this year. Um, no more than 8% of the snap share up until week 6 and then didn't play at all until week 13. 15% of the snap share last week and then up to 30% this week. And we saw that athletic ability show out. Uh, you maybe stopped stop talking about him before we started recording, Dan. I said, and uh, maybe this is a complete hot take. Ryan said he immediately doesn't agree. But I said this is going to feel like or Chase Brown is the Tony Romo, or Tony Romo, geez, the Tony Pollard to Ezekiel Elliott uh, like we had last season. Um, It's not going to happen this season, I don't think, but I feel like that's a scenario next season where we see Joe Mixon continuing to be kind of an inefficient runner. I think he's better in the pass game than Ezekiel Elliott is, so he'll probably still be involved there. But Chase Brown showed he's a very good receiver uh, today as well. So it just feels like he's got the juice. Joe Mixon doesn't. Uh, and we'll see how this backfield shapes up down the stretch and into next season.
1: Well, the the Mixon thing is is kind of a conversation. That's where it should start because while Brown looked good, Mixon is 27 years old, probably on the the falling off part of his career, or at least the elite part of his career. His contract also leaves an out, right? He's in the third year of a four-year deal that he signed. And it would cost the Bengals uh, $2.75 million in dead cap to get out of that contract. There were rumors, though, last year, Ryan, that maybe they'd move it, move on from Mixon before the 2023 season. really felt like they brought him back because they didn't have another guy to pivot to, and they were going to give him another year being the bell cow. But late in the season now, Brown is starting to eat into that workload and certainly looks more explosive. Isn't there probably a path to... Mixon being somewhere else next season?
2: There certainly is. And that's, uh, that's the reason I said that I disagree with Matt, not because of a, a concern for, for Chase Brown's talent or his role, but uh, I think, I think this, we might be seeing the last month of Joe Mixon as a Cincinnati Bengal. Not only do they have the, the easy out, as you said, relatively easy, at least uh, we already know this team has, has some cap concerns. They're, I would imagine yeah. they're going to push hard to try to keep T Higgins uh, in town. I know that's, um, you know, it's kind of a foregone conclusion or a, a, an assumption that he's going to be signing a big deal somewhere else, but uh, certainly they want to try to keep him and, and they, uh, they've got some other issues, namely on, on defense and on, on that offensive line to worry about. I think they could certainly be moving on from Joe Mixon and, uh maybe handing the keys to chase Brown. There there's a lot of running backs, a lot of rookie running backs. And this is a whole other conversation, but, uh, that we just haven't seen enough of to make a judgment on. And and we're, we're getting a kind of a sneak peek at chase Brown here. And, and he's gone from check your waiver wire. Maybe he's out there to must must roster and, uh, not a bad trade target either for the, uh, the late regular season or the early off season,
1: of course. Chase Brown, going back to draft season, came out of Illinois. Uh, he's at a Canadian. I didn't realize that. I just saw that yep. on, on a profile that I saw. Uh, I watched him a lot for the Illini, and he was an explosive back in college, but profiled maybe as that that um, change of pace type runner in the at the NFL level. Just five nine two oh nine. So on the bottom part of that that kind of traditional starting running back uh, size profile. Great athleticism though at the combine, a 4'4", 340, also at a 40-inch vertical jump and his 10-yard split was 1.53. So a guy that not only showed it on film in college at Illinois, but also really did it in shorts at the combine and looked to be maybe that guy that That while he was that bell cow runner in college, might be able to uh, fill in for for a a stud if there was an injury for a few games, but maybe wasn't going to be that full-time runner. I think dynasty managers right now, Matt, are probably thinking I'd like to see a lot more of Chase Brown down the stretch here so we can see if we have something going into 2024.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's going to be veteran deference, but if they need, I mean, they, they're, they're lacking playmakers right now, right? Like they're, they're down bad at quarterback or They're, I mean, you know, whatever. I don't want to throw shade on Jake Brown. He played great today. He played great last week, but a step down from Joe Burrow, I would say, and I don't think anybody would necessarily disagree with that. Um, but uh, you know, he, he's got, he's got all the athleticism. You mentioned it, Danny. At had 87th percentile, 40 time, a 96th percentile vertical jump uh 83rd percentile 10 10 yard split, a 93rd percentile broad jump. He is athletic and that's what we want athletes at the running back position, right? So uh I, I want to see I want to see more. I don't know if we're gonna see a ton more, but if he maintains this like 30%, 35%, if he can get up to 40% of the snaps, that would be really incredible for us to really see what he has down the stretch and what we are looking for going into 2024.
2: I heard um I heard a theory and <laughs> It kind of makes some sense. You, you think back that I uh, think back to you know almost a month ago now that Joe Burrow was hurt. Uh, the Bengals lose that game. They lose the following week to the Steelers. They're now I believe that made them five and six, and and Joe Burrow's done for the year. And, and the idea that I heard was okay. Let's see what we got with this rookie. Let's give Chase Brown some more playing time. We're not handing him the job, but let's let's see what he can do. And now they, they win at Jacksonville and then they beat the Colts this week. And, and right now, I believe they're in the seventh spot in the playoff hunt. So um, they may have, uh, if that, if that idea has any merit to it at all, they may have kind of backdoored themselves into another playmaker, which Matt, like you said, they, they need some guys to make plays right now. And, and Chase Brown has done it.
1: Yeah, in the playoff hunt, partially because of Chase Brown and the sure. electricity that he has shown, um, you know, I think about all that time I spent watching him in college, and I always thought of him as a little bit of a smaller between the tackles runner. He, that Illinois offense, if if you're familiar with their with how the I run that have run that offense in the past, they were a lot of between the tackles. They didn't like to like to run those pitch plays on the perimeter. That's kind of what we've seen from Brown at in Cincinnati here the last two games. They're trying to get that speed on the edge and that quick uh cutback ability and we're we're starting to see it. It it makes me think that maybe he there is a more of a 60% type timeshare runner inside of that Chase Brown body and maybe he could be the lead of a of a two-man committee or or a shared backfield down the road. Uh, once Mixon's out of the way, you mentioned the the draft class that's coming in, Ryan. There's also going to be a handful of veterans on the free agent market. It wouldn't be that surprising if the Brown, or excuse me, the Bengals chase Brown on the Bengals. Um, if the Bengals decided to either bring in one of those veterans to work alongside Brown, or draft another guy to develop alongside Brown and, and figure out who who's going to have that backfield. The fifth round pick out of Illinois certainly looks like he's worthy of. Of more work than he's gotten to this point
2: yeah chase brown has three plays of 25 plus yards in the past two weeks joe mixon has four all season
1: wow that's a perfect way to paint that picture of who should be getting getting more touches and who should get less down the stretch keep dynasty weird I don't get to hit that button that often, so we're gonna we're gonna call this keeping dynasty weird. We need to talk about playoff structure and the settings. We got a lot of good feedback last week with our with our uh, conversation about tanking. So down the stretch of the season, we thought it'd be a good idea to talk more and more about commissioner stuff, league stuff, platform stuff, all that, all those kind of things that dynasty managers and especially commissioners are thinking about as they roll over their uh, mindset from regular season to playoffs and then into the off season. So let's just, let's just start with the playoffs in general, Matt, and talk about how we like to give out playoff uh, births. Typically in 10, 12, 14, 16 team leagues, the playoffs gets cut down. How many teams do you like in and, and how many, uh, and how are you giving out those? What, what basis do you use to to award those playoff spots.
0: Yeah, I do. I typically do 50% of the leagues make the playoffs. I think, I think there's some merit to having less than 15%. If you want to say four teams out of, out of your tw- typical 12 team leagues, I'm totally fine with that, but I don't know. I just always thought it was more fun. You include more teams. So I I, I cut it off at 50% and I I've always done it where I include uh, at least two spots based on total points because you always have that really good team and i'm a, i have an example of that and it's i mean i'm the commissioner of this league so it's certainly benefiting me but it's been in a play the rule. it's been in place for for 10 or 12 years now however long it leads going and that's that the final two playoff spots are to are go to the highest point teams that did not make the playoffs based on record and i have a team that was at one point like two and seven i think it's like maybe five and eight now uh but the second place in the in the in, in, in all play second place and points scored all that kind of stuff just has had bad scheduling variants you know where you have played you've had you're the second highest scoring team and you play the top scoring team in the league so i think it's really important to be able to uh, if, if you want to include the very best teams from the regular season you need to have at least one spot that goes to those uh to kind of account for situations like that. Um I think the worst possible way to do it is to have every single spot be on best record. There I'm in a couple of leagues that do it that way. Uh, I I I know that people like to do it that way, but for me I just think you got to include some total total point spots.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I like the total point spots. In fact, I like it if there's two buys that the second buy spot gets Gets awarded by total points. I have some leagues like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and I've even had teams that would have been out of the playoffs uh, if it was all by record get that second seed in the postseason and, and a bye because of the schedule variance that you talk about there. Ryan, you commission a lot of leagues. Personally, I echo what Matt said. I I like six teams uh, in any league that has twelve or more teams in it. Even fourteen, I like to keep it at six. Uh, ten team leagues. I like waiting an extra week and only allowing the four teams into the postseason. Personally, how about you?
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. As far as how many teams are advancing, uh, I think all of my leagues are are twelve teamers. So uh, it becomes a pretty easy call to send half of them, the top half, to the playoffs. It's uh, like you said, it's determining how you know who's in that top half, which teams are in there. Um,
1: yeah. You in, you use it, victory points in some leagues though.
2: I do. I was going to say and Explain in, that
1: for those for those that don't understand victory points, first of all explain how they work and then why you chose to use them in some of your leagues.
2: Sure, sure. So I have in some of the leagues I've commissioned in the past, I have used the uh the typical record with the uh the top scoring non-playoff team getting that sixth spot uh, as Matt described. Uh, but in, in kind of what I would call my main leagues, my, my kitchen seat sink, sink leagues, we do use victory points and essentially each, each week you're playing for victory points and you, uh, you can earn those both by winning your matchup. Uh, and we, we play double headers in that league as well. So that, that kind of adds to the, uh, to the possibility of, of how many victory points you can earn, but uh, your, your total points as well. So essentially the the league side is set up to rank every team by how many points they scored that week uh, and and give the, uh, the top third, I believe get two points, middle third gets one point, bottom third gets zero. So basically victory points are kind of, kind of recognizing or including both your win loss record and your, uh, your scoring. So because of that, I, I, I just rely on the victory points, the top six teams, based on those victory points are advancing to the playoffs. I,
1: I like that because it does remove at least some of that variance I've seen. And I think double headers also remove yeah. some of the variance, although you can be that team that scores third in the league and, and happen to play the two teams that, that are the number one and number two that week. And you end up with two losses, but the the victory points and scoring above the median can help that out where you'd get the two wins to go along with it and at least even it out. I I play in all those kitchen sink leagues and I love the victory point setup that works for me. I also love the double double headers. I also play in another league where it's a em- point of emphasis that every team plays every other team two times. So some weeks you play double headers and some weeks you don't. And I actually don't like that one quite as much because you can have that huge week when you're only playing one team. And then that down week when you happen to be playing a doubleheader and it's just timing that that hurts that yeah. chances of making the playoffs. So it really is preference. I think we're all commissioners and we, it's probably fair to say that we all think that you, your, your specific league needs to pick what works best for you. These, these are all just ideas, but those victory points, the all play record, which hasn't been mentioned either, That that's a fun way. Uh, Ryan, we co commissioned a league a couple of years ago where the entire league was run on all play. The only thing about that was it took away a little bit from the head to head weekly checking the score yeah. and feeling like if you won the game, it was even difficult to see, Oh, what place am I in this week? Um, am I getting five wins or eight wins or 12 wins? What's going on? So, um, those are some ideas, Let's move the conversation now, Matt, to the structure of your playoffs. If there's six teams in, typically you're going to have some buys in there for the top two seeds. Um, but there's some creative ways to go away from the standard six teams get in, two uh, buy teams, and those, teams, those buy teams meet the winners from the week before. How do you like that structure to, to kind of play out uh, from week 15 through 17 or even if you go into 18? so i want to
0: everybody knows about the standard bracket structure to play two top team teams get to buy so i kind of want to talk about what i do in my red list leagues that are a little bit different because they are multi-copy and this is an idea that is adapted a little bit from something scott fish did in the the pigs leagues from back in the day uh mm-hmm. and that's where these are these are three uh two or three conference teams uh it's conference leagues depending on which one we're talking about here and I actually don't have any buys in those two leagues, uh, which makes it a little bit rough on those top two teams. They do make a little bit more money in the regular season. Um, but the way it works is in the first week of the playoffs, each, each one of those divisions has six teams in it. The top three teams, top three scoring teams from that first week of the playoffs in each, each division move to week 16 In week 16, the top scoring team in each of those three divisions move on to the finals in week 17. And then those three teams or two teams or four teams, however many divisions you have would all play uh, for the championship. And then the other ones would get the second, third and fourth place prize. So uh, it changes things up a little bit. It takes away from the head to head, but I think it also gives you uh, a little bit more competition uh, and you know you don't necessarily have to score the most team points and points to advance until that final, uh, I guess until the second week. The first, the first week you don't have to score the most uh, points. So if you are a really good, really strong team, but you know you run into a, a, a team that is not as strong as you on paper, but Scout scores you in that first week, uh, you still have a chance to make the playoffs. So it, it typically will put the best performing teams forward in those first two playoffs weeks. So I kind of like that quite a bit.
2: Before we go any further with this, I know we've got a few other things to hit on here. We all are in leagues that have some unique playoff setups and formats. And of course, I think we realize that a lot of the leagues out there probably take the top six teams in the standings and they roll them into the playoffs and they have three weeks of head-to-head matchups and that's it. How do you all feel about a league, a league that has those typical settings, changing things in the off season, changing the format of the playoffs, do you think that's a reasonable thing to change, or is it one of those deal breakers that if you want to try something new, you almost have to start a new league?
0: Oh, no, I think, I think it's so. absolutely
1: something that you can change okay obviously you have to play out your your settings for this year and we're just trying to give sure, ideas yeah. for for managers and commissioners out there so you can have those conversations with your league mates and potentially add something a little bit more creative and maybe even a little bit more fair you mentioned that the the traditional six team playoff with the two buys and the head-to-heads there are a lot of question marks that come up in there like there are different ways that who, who plays the number one seed. Does it reseed if the six beats, beats the three? Is there, mm-hmm. are there other creative ways? Should the one seed get to choose who they play out of who is left? Call out. Should the three seed in week one have a call out and get to play whoever they want? They can call out the four if they want to. That's that. Those are fun ways to not only improve the league both from like a conversation standpoint and, and getting people engaged, but also from eliminating some of the unfair um, intricacies of standard leagues that, that we're so used to. Ryan, you painted a perfect picture there. Everybody's used to it. Everybody knows, or I think it was you, Matt. Everybody knows the standard system. But if we add some of these things like the choosing your own opponent, the callouts. Having yep. multi-week matchups, which Ryan, you you've incorporated some of that into. You you also uh, have a carryover. You you've really put an emphasis on rewarding the top teams from the regular season and trying to trying to crown the true champion for the whole season, not just a team that got hot at the end of the year, especially in your kitchen sink leagues where you those two by teams submit a lineup and they can carry over that score from week 14, the first, or excuse me, week 15, the first week of the postseason, to week 16. So they get to take the top score from those two, two weeks when they're playing their matchup the next week. That is, you know, it really matters to me. And I think I'm probably speaking for you here. You wanted to, like I said, you want to crown the team that's ultimately the best team for the whole season, but you're also trying to, get rid of some of the little things that happen um that that tend to make dynasty managers mad or fantasy players mad because one bad week or a couple bad injuries or I happened to play the week where there was a late buy and two of my guys were on that team in a dynasty league. You get rid of a little bit of that by doing that.
2: Yeah I try to and um some of the reasons that you mentioned there are exactly exactly why I, I I have it set up that way. Uh, We do start our playoffs very early in those leagues. There are still buys going on, so I I do kind of want to protect those top teams. Um, And again, I mean, Matt mentioned it at the uh, at the top of the show with his his game against uh, the Jefferson and and Chase team. One bad week should not sink a a team that's lost one or two or three games all season uh, in in that doubleheader format. So the doubleheaders, the really really rewarding uh the the top two seeds that have earned the buy those are some things i i try to do in my playoff setup to ensure that the the team that's winning the title is the best team that season
1: and i do something in my leagues that that i also think helps out in these so we have traditional 16 playoffs they'll start next week week 15 the two buys they don't even have to submit a lineup not like we're talking about here with kitchen sink ryan they get the week off, but the other four teams play all play. Instead of matching the three versus the six and the four versus the five, I create the two matchups on my fantasy league and they play it out. But I explained to everybody in the league ahead of time that that's just, those are just the, the, the placeholder matchups. Two, the two highest scoring teams from those two will play the following week. Then the buys join those two teams and that's once again is an all play. I the thing that always bugged me in old standard postseason setups was when you looked across at the other matchup and you maybe lost 189 to 181 <laughs> and in the other matchup it was 94 to 89 and you thought to yourself, if I could have just played one of those two. Um yeah. I've eliminated that at least. So those are some creative ways. Um that, that's my favorite structure. I you guys have mentioned your favorite structures as well. It does put a little bit of pressure on commissioners. You have to do a little bit more legwork, certainly have to go set up those matchups and all those kind of things. Ryan, you even go as far as creating a Google Doc to track all that so managers can see it. And you you update it as the week goes along every, every single week throughout the postseason. So there's a lot of work, but those are some good ideas. Are there any other creative ways to make the postseason better, Matt?
0: I wanted to throw out an idea that Nathan throughout in a Nathan Powell throughout in a commish chat uh, that I I haven't seen oh before. It's kind like, of like it's kind of like it's it's kind of like the structure that I do in in the Red List leagues, where the top scoring teams advance each week, and it's not necessarily head to head. And his is in a typical twelve team team league that uh, the normal league plays out weeks one to twelve, and then the playoff playoffs start with six teams in week thirteen. Then the low score is booted each week, so it basically turns into like a survivor league for the playoffs, which I kind of like because you've only got to beat, you know, five other teams that first week to to advance. Um, I didn't know how you guys felt about that. I like the format with the multi-copy structure that I have now. I've never seen it tried in a one in a in a in a, in a regular twelve-team one-copy league, but if you were going to do it, I think that might be a good way to try it.
1: Yeah, I I think you might have misspoke. You only have to beat five. You only have to beat one team every single week. I'm of, sorry, of who's that's left what I meant. Um, but I think everybody understood that. I want. I just wanted to clear it up. I did. I I raised an eyebrow to it. I I don't love the early start to that because then after after going through those eleven or twelve weeks of the regular season and you have the buys in dynasty. Buys in the postseason give me a little bit of pause. I really dislike it unless there's something in place to help you with that. In a redraft league, I don't mind it because you can set things up. Scott Fishbowl has early postseason, but we all knew that when we drafted the team. We're not drafting the team for the long term, we're doing it for just this year. In Dynasty, you want to hold this player because he's so valuable, and you might feel the urge to have to trade him because you have. You have this bye coming up in the postseason and you're locked in for that. Makes sense. So I I don't like how that tweaks the player valuations. However, I do like the idea of making things creative. Speaking of Scott Fishbowl, Ryan, he does his postseason as where you where you have your average score on added to the amount of points you score in a specific week in the postseason, mm-hmm. and then there's a cut line. Um that's another creative way to potentially advance. Teams throughout your postseason. You could do that on a small scale with a 12 or 14, even a 10-team league. Yeah,
2: that's another thing. I, I don't do that in my leagues, but I think that's worth considering. Um, again, especially in, in my situation, and I know this is this is rare that you're uh you're playing playoff games when there are NFL buys going on. But if if that's your league, then I think that's that's certainly a good idea again to protect those top teams. And you know, anytime we talk about uh commish stuff or or running leagues, it always comes down to do what is best for your league, do what your league mm-hmm. enjoys. Um and you know, if if you prefer or your league prefers kind of that one and done like March Madness, it's all on the line and we see upsets, uh, then then that's awesome. This none of this might be for you in that case, but um Like I said earlier, my goal has been to reward the best teams and uh, do everything I can as a commish to to ensure that the best team is winning.
1: And it's important to say that if you're a commissioner out there and you want to incorporate some of these things, know what you're getting yourself into, there's nothing worse than playing in a league with some kind of creative postseason setup and the commissioner doesn't set it up properly in the league. There's a lot of work that goes into being creative in these leagues. The platforms can't do all of it for us. So you have to be willing to take those steps.
2: Let's hop in the Dynasty
1: DeLorean. Where we're going, we don't need ADP. Yeah, let's hop into that Dynasty DeLorean. Of course, we are only weeks away from 2024 and the off season which is the on season for us dynasty players but we thought we'd take a look at 2025 values okay so so really we're going to hop in the DeLorean and set it to December of 2024 and value some players across from some draft picks for the 2025 class so Thinking a year from now, what will this young player be worth, and, and would you trade? Would you rather have this player or whatever draft pick we put against them? So let's just start at the top with a fun player to talk about, especially this week. Uh, it's Quentin Johnston, guys, who I, I I think it's pretty fair to say has had a tumultuous. Uh, first season in the <laughs> NFL, we were always we were all kind of hoping for the opportunity, right? That maybe he would get it, but then the Mike Williams injury came, and it just didn't work work for him. He, he honestly he looks slow out there, right? He looks like he's a step behind, and and he looks like he's kind of dragging out there. He had kind of a big game though on Sunday for the Chargers, and uh, now we dynasty managers probably don't know exactly how to value them. I think there's a lot of dynasty managers out there, Ryan, that are, are standing on their, uh, their laurels. They're on their pre-draft notions and saying to themselves that, you know, this guy was a first round pick. He was, he was one of the top wide receivers drafted. I drafted him for a reason. I'm going to hold out and he'll be better in year two. So a year from now, would you rather have Quentin Johnston or a 2025 second round rookie pick?
2: I've seen enough. I, I want the second rounder. If, if I have him now and I could sell him for a second rounder, we're, we're back in uh back in 2023. I would, I would do that. Um, I, I see a path, I guess, for his uh his, his playing time and his production and his value therefore to increase um, yeah. with with the Williams injury and, and potentially he is not coming back to the chargers. But as you said, Williams has been out for much of this year and it, it hasn't mattered. Um, we've seen these high-end uh, early draft pick wide receivers struggle in year one and and then bounce back in year two, but it's pretty rare, right? Like um, the Devonte Adams cases are 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 not very common. So I think we've we've as I said we've seen enough from Quentin Johnston. I'll take a second rounder for him.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna too. We, we've seen those cases, the Devonte Adamses, but we've also seen the 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 big bodied, slower receivers, Nikhil Harry, Laquan Treadwell, and and there were plenty of dynasty managers that could have sold them for second round picks a year later, and then it, and then in 2025, or two years later, they're saying, "Man, I wish I would have taken it. I've seen enough as well. I'm taking the draft pick, Matt, you going to make it a clean sweep?"
0: Yeah, I guess. Oh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. no excited. hesitation, man. I, peer, peer pressure. I, I I feel like if this, I think in 2025. I, I mean, I feel like it's it, it's easier going to be a lot easier to make that move then. Which I still think you can make that move then. Like right now, oh, I don't really. Think, I don't think that I want to make. I don't think I want to go either direction right now. I don't want to pay a second for him, but I don't really want to drop my shares for. A second rounder right now. If it's like a top top half second rounder, I guess I could probably be convinced. But a random second that could be the two ten or two twelve, something like that. I think I'm, I think I'm gonna wait until next year to make a move on him. It's already maybe the wrong. i I think
2: there. I think there are a lot of leagues out there where you couldn't get a second for him
1: right now. I would agree with that. I, I, I think there's a lot, and I think it, I think there's a better chance that in 2024, December 2024, it's impossible to get a second than it is to barely get a third. You know, like like you're gonna barely get a third for him potentially, and that that sounds like a horrible loss of investment. How about Kendra Miller? Another, uh, like like late first in some um dynasty leagues, and certainly in the super flex leagues, might have slipped into the second round. Uh, in your league but man Kamara has looked so good Matt and it doesn't look like he did he hasn't lost a step quite like Mixon uh, or at least to that extent even if he has Miller's just waiting in the wings in 2024 at the end of 2024 are you taking Kendra Miller or the second round pick
0: This is a really, really tough thought experiment for you guys at home. I I think you should try this because you have to take what you feel about a player right now and kind of ignore that and feel like kind of project what you think that player might do next season and then how you might feel about that performance in December of 2024. Right? So right Mm -hmm. now I feel like you, I feel like you can't get a second round pick for Kendra Miller. You probably, you could probably like, you could probably get him for, you could probably send a third for him maybe. Uh, but I don't think I don't I don't think a second I don't think anybody is going to uh, uh gonna gonna do that for for Miller right now right so I agree that Kamara looks great right now but I feel like there's gonna be a role for Miller and a second round pick for potentially a starting running back heading into 2025. I, I think I'm gonna take the player in this in
1: this in this one. I kind of think I'm with you. I think it's scary, but I'm. In December of 2024, we will not be selling him for a second round pick.
0: Yeah, that's what I—that's what I meant to say. A lot with a lot more words <laughs> yeah. than you did.
1: <laughs> and it's not like Kamara is going to be worthless next year. I, I no. honestly, right now, I seem to feel like he's going to be back in New Orleans and he'll be back in the lead role most likely. But I also think that that Kendry Miller will have a role on the team despite having what. 28 carries for only 83 yards, averaging three yards a carry. He's banged up a little bit. They invested a so, high enough helping. draft pick that they have they have high hopes for him, Ryan. What's your lean on this one?
2: I'm torn on this one. I agree with, uh, with kind of what you guys are both saying as far as the future of that team. Um, I mean, a, a year from now, we could see a situation where both Kamara and Jamal Williams are about to be gone if they're not gone yeah. already. Uh, the the thing that has me hesitating is these injuries. We saw Kendra Miller suffer the leg injury uh, in the, uh, in the playoffs la- uh, a year ago in the uh, college football yeah, the playoffs. College yeah. And he's missed multiple games with leg injuries this year, including the past four due to, I believe a knee injury. So that's, that's obviously a concern. You think about the, um, you think about the saints as far as could they bring in another piece? This is a team that is in the worst cap shape of any team in the NFL right now. Um, So it's a, it's a pretty juicy free agent running back class coming up this year. Um, I I don't think they're going to be spending any money. So that's, that's a pro for Kendra Miller that uh, they could, they could just roll with what they have in house if he can stay healthy, I'm going to ultimately side with you guys, but like I said, I'm torn on this one.
1: Yeah. It's easy to be torn with that one. Cause we just haven't seen enough from Kendra yet on the field in the pros. This one will be fun. How about Jackson Smith and Jigba? It's December of 2024. Ryan, you got JSN. Are you taking, taking a first round pick in 2025 for him?
2: No, no, I want JSN for for a first rounder. Uh, I think I think this is a pretty easy one. We're starting to see yeah. um, some improvement, uh, both uh, y- you know, both in production and and even just usage and workload there in Seattle. And uh, Tyler Tyler Lockett is great, but this this could be the last year of Tyler
1: Lockett. Let alone next year. Um, it's already. It. I don't know if you guys are like me, but. Lockett and JSN are closely enough in like body structure and route running and those kind of things that there's times in the game where it's like Lockett across the middle on a deep Mm -hmm. dig and he gains 22 yards and you're thinking, JSN, oh, it's Lockett. I have him (laughs) on team. I have Lockett on teams in my starting lineup and I feel disappointed that it's Lockett catching that pass instead of JSN. (laughs) Matt, he's just getting his feet wet for the year. He's having that redshirt year with a little bit of playing time. Next year, Lockett, I think, is going to be out the door. I'm almost sure of it. And JSN's just going to step into that role. And you could see him catching 100 passes in his sophomore year.
0: Yeah, I think JSN is closer to two firsts next
1: December uh, that, than one exactly first. what I was going to exactly. say. If
0: if not, if not, you know, you know, a top a, a locked in top ten dynasty wide receiver, and and and, and people will not want to sell
1: him for two firsts. You know, like that's that's yeah. where we're going with them. Yeah, yeah, we're that's in the range of outcomes, and and probably more likely. That than being just a first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how about Puka Nakua? Similar situation, although he's had more production already in his rookie year. Matt, are you taking him or the first rounder in late 2024?
0: I'm I'm sticking with Puka in this one too. I mean, unless we just see him, we think he this this whole entire season was a mirage. You know, obviously he hasn't been the same player that he was in the first handful of weeks of the season right where he was breaking every rookie wide receiver record out there uh but he's still been very very good he's shown that he can play along another stud receiver and still produce uh you know it's it's the health of stafford really the concern for this team and and puka nakua's future so i still think he's going to be more valuable than a first this time next year
1: absolutely i completely agree five catches 84 yards on eight targets on Sunday in the loss against Baltimore. Did you guys see the catch on the sideline? The diving catch? Oh Oh my gosh. Puka, he's got the game and he looks so good. You're right. The Stafford point is something worth considering, but no way next December I'm taking a first for Puka. He's in my lineup every week, Ryan. How about you?
2: Oh, totally agree. Another easy one for me. Um, And I think it only gets easier when you look at Cooper Cup. And I know he had a nice game on Sunday. Yeah. But, I saw him getting up multiple times, uh, with limping favoring. Yeah. Like, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: like this guy. And I mean, you get it. He's 30 years old and, and, uh, you know, that just the style of play, uh, that he has, he's, he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hit hard. Uh, but that's,
1: that's, unfortunately it's a good thing for Puka's dynasty value. And what's nice is we got to see a glimpse of Puka without that veteran number one receiver cup was missing early in the season and Puka looked great without him taking away some of that coverage. Let's kick it up a notch here. Bijan Robinson's on your roster uh, a year from now, Ryan, are you taking Bijan or the two seconds that are offered to you?
0: Firsts, firsts, or Excuse two firsts, two, first. oh, two seconds. Ooh, what league is that?
2: I'm, I'm definitely no. Uh, that that <laughs> real like bad.
0: Happened. That's the offer.
2: That sounds like an <laughs> offer I would get in some of my <laughs> leagues, but.
1: Uh. <laughs> Sorry,
2: Ryan. I, um, yeah, I got to start yeah. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm not taking two first for Bijan. Uh, he's he's still my dynasty RB one. Um, I would certainly not be surprised if we're sitting here a year from now and he's still the dynasty RB one. Uh, I think that's. I think I expect it. Yeah, I, I think that's. You know, if we're if we're laying out the odds, that would be the betting favorite at this point, and, and certainly sure. some other options. Including uh, another guy we'll talk about here soon, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm taking uh, I'm taking Bijan over the two first rounders.
1: Matt,
0: yeah, for sure. I, I'm not sure he's going to be necessarily running back one in dynasty, but he's not going to fall outside of the top five. Well, well, let's look at this scenario, and I don't wanna really want to put it out there, but I'm going to do it for this exercise. If Bijan Robinson oh. for some reason misses all of next season, you still want him over the two first, right?
1: I think that's the, that's the one place that like full season injuries scare off dynasty managers, most likely on holding him, but I could see myself questioning it and at least considering it. Um, as we all know, we're supposed to, we're supposed to wait till he's close to back on the field before pulling those triggers though. Um, if you're taking the, the player over the picks with Bijan Robinson, I assume you're doing the same with Jameer Gibbs, Matt, two firsts or Gibbs?
0: yeah i mean I, I i really think i mean my heart says that b that gibbs is rb1 uh and dynasty right now i think it's I, I think it's neck and neck between those two and i think there's a couple other players you could throw in into that tier two at this point but yeah gibbs is locked in at, at two firsts uh easily for me right now and, and i assume next year at this point
2: great i want gibbs as well over the two first i'm a little surprised uh, surprised at what Matt said there though. I did put a poll out on Sunday during the games and both Bijan and, and Gibbs were in action at the that early slate and just asked uh ask on Twitter which uh which running back people preferred in the Dynasty League. I I thought it had maybe swung towards uh, towards Gibbs quite a bit. It's still uh 64 36 in favor of Bijan. So mm. uh, we're looking at, at two thirds preference, uh, to Bijan Robinson there.
1: A lot closer than it would have been in September. however. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, let's yeah. switch to some signal callers, Anthony Richardson in a super flex league, Ryan, you taking two firsts for a rich.
2: No, I'm, I'm definitely not. Um, you know, I think, are you taking th- a three? Would you take three first for Anthony
1: Richardson's a year from today? No, I don't think I would. I don't think so either. Not in the super flex, Matt. How about you? Two first, no
0: way. Three first is getting is getting there, but I mean, if he has the season that we think he would have had this year, next year, then yeah, like three first will be the the like like that will be like the opening offer, right? Like that you're you're if you want to actually get him, you're going to have to throw a little sweetener on top.
1: Yeah, how about CJ Stroud? The three first, throw him into the conversation. No way, right? You can't. Nobody's doing that deal. No way, (sighs) no way. All right, we talked about enough rookies. Let's splash some veterans in here.
0: There there was too much
2: hesitation there. Uh, We should have (laughs) said at the beginning. He doesn't
0: run, Ryan. He doesn't run.
2: We should have said at the beginning. These are all quote unquote random first. And yeah, you know, yeah. If one of, if one of these is the one hundred one in twenty twenty five, maybe that changes things. But
1: uh, we're we're talking random random picks, unknown picks. Absolutely, yeah. Um, let's get to some veteran talk. Matt, you can t- a year from today. Are you taking Jerry Judy or a random second round pick?
0: I think Judy is almost worthless a year from now. I think the only hope that Judy has is if he goes to another team. And it works out. Like that, that's the only thing you're hoping for with Judy at this point, I think. He did drop. Did he, I think he had a touchdown he dropped today. Yep. Uh, no, so he, was he close can't get to, his toes in.
1: That's like the second time in the last was. month that's where he, had, yeah. he takes this long-ass stride instead of tapping his toe like 99.9% of receivers do. They drag that foot before stepping. He like, doesn't have that in his skill set. It's so
0: obnoxious. And I i mean, I might be mistaken, but I remember him being very good at that technical stuff coming yes. out of the process. That's what we liked about him. We like, sat on this yeah.
1: podcast talking about talk,
0: Yeah, talked about his route running. Talked about all the technical skills that he had as, as playing the receiver position. And that has not materialized in the NFL, no matter who the quarterback is. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't have to... hopes for Judy. Yeah, there's always I'm something with him, you know? There's always A something. A
1: year from now, I'm taking the pick, too, Ryan. Are, are you thinking you're going to be, too?
2: I'm taking the pick right now. I'm taking the pick a year from now, I I, I don't think I don't know I don't, if you can get the
1: pick a year I, from now. I, there's a good chance you can. not you can get it now. Like this you can't year, get it. I don't think you can get it now. Yeah, but if he has a season just exactly like 2023 next season, you it's might like, not get a third for him. Right. He's gonna. He's gonna be a roster clogger at that point. He, he's I, I think he already, already is now. He I is. Think now. He already yeah. is. because uh, He has
0: that name. He has that name, but you can't start him. He can't sell him. That's the definition of a roster. clogger. goodness. How about
1: Christian Watson? Ouch. Ouch. My hammy. Yeah. The guy needs to fix man, that thing. You, a year from now, Ryan, you taking the first, or are you taking Christian Watson?
2: I'm taking the first pretty easily. um And last week's game was just the, the microcosm of, of Christian Watson. We saw the upside, the playmaking, the touchdowns, uh, and, and then we saw the injury. And now he's, he's going to miss uh, this week's game. And uh, who knows how many more, <sighs> just too many leg injuries. If I can cash out and, and move on, I'm doing that right now or next year.
1: I I'm not, I, I think a year from now, you will be mad that you did that deal. And a year from now, if you have him on your roster, he, you will think to yourself there's no way I'll sell him for a first I mean, he's i think he's going to be a year from now he'll I, I might be looking through green and gold colored glasses but he just shows too much upside in that game in fact in the last two weeks you you saw the the above the rim plays and the downfield speed and and the ability to, uh a jet sweep into a big play that that all happened in one game they're they're targeting him early in games and I think he's getting that that feel with Jordan Love and with that coaching staff. To be honest with you, he's got to get healthy, and that's a big if. But I think he's closer to a two first guy next year than a than a than less than one.
0: I am going to take the player two, and I maybe maybe it is the green and gold glasses. I don't think it is. To me, it's just I don't want to I don't want to miss on the upside that we've seen if the only if truly the only issue is the health and getting on the same page with jordan love it feels like he has proven one of those things The, the getting on the page with the jordan love thing it seems like those two do have a connection so if he can put together a healthy season like i, I think i agree more with dan but i i, I could go well, really either way on this one it, it, yeah absolutely I, I think this is the you know what it, it, this time next year if it's the same injury riddled season, you're not going to be able to get a first for Christian Watson. But if it's not, if he hits that ceiling, it's, you know, he's going to blow that valuation out of the water. So you want to play, you want to play the ceiling game or the floor game. I think that's what this conversation comes down to.
1: They said he couldn't keep up the (laughs) touchdown upside that he couldn't keep up that touchdown rate, but he scored a touchdown in 18% of his receptions this season already. Again, it's that's the kind of player he is. I, I really do believe it. He's he'll be a player we talk about in the offseason for sure. A couple more to get to here. Uh Traylon Burks, e- uh, Matt S- S- Burks against the second round pick. You gonna you gonna be uh, able to get I'm a go- second for Burks a year from now?
0: You can't get it now, that's for sure. I'm, I'm hoping the value comes back and you'll be able to get some for him. I'm probably going down with the ship on Traylon Burks. I just really. I just hang to my, the pre-draft process from that. And I just really still like the player. I like the talent. The injuries have been a bad thing. The offense has not been really tailored to what he does well. So I'm, I'm probably going to hang on, uh, but I totally get moving on, m- moving on from him. Mm, it's painful, Ryan. How about you?
2: Yeah. I, I, I would love to get a second for Traylon Burks. I would love <laughs> to, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see it happening, but if I could, I, I certainly would.
1: Does, does he have a catch yet? He he has like five catches or something, right? He played in a few games. It, even he's when he's he on the field, that.
0: he's got more than that. Uh,
1: Not many more. Oh, eight catches for on eighteen targets for one hundred and twenty-two yards. It's a it's a good game uh, for your
2: for your starting wide receiver.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Last one, guys. Oh, this is gonna be a fun one. Kyron I'm Williams still... against a first round pick, Ryan.
2: Well, if we're fast forwarding a year from now, uh, we which are. we are, then I'm taking the pick. I'm taking the pick there. Um, I think Kyron Williams is twenty-three right now, twenty-four years old. Uh Boy, late, so old. late round draft capital guy. Um, so that would be the point I would I would probably be looking to cash out. Uh, I think I think a first or Kyron Kyron Williams right now is is maybe a more interesting conversation. Uh, He's the RB eight in our December dynasty ADP, by the way.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a little bit scary, right? It's frightening when you see those numbers, but when you see the 25 carries for 114 uh, on Sunday against a tough Baltimore defense, also caught a few passes, he's the offense. And I've kind of come around on Kyron Williams a little bit. I agree with you, Ryan, a year from today, I'm probably taking the first round pick, but I think there is a very good chance. Like I would say over 75% for sure that he is, he has the same role next year, as long as he's healthy. And that is a nice role to have as long as Sean McVay doesn't retire.
2: Matt, what are you doing on this one?
0: Uh, Gosh, he is the, he is the hardest player to, to maybe not the hardest, but one of the hardest players for me to value because the production is obviously there but like like you said the draft capital the you know lack of athleticism like this should not be working but it is working and we've seen McVay do oh, it he before. looks way he more athletic
1: eat. on an NFL field than he ever did oh
0: i 100% day. agree i'm like just going back to like testing numbers and things like that right um, but i mean this he feels like Sean it's McVay's guy kind of like guy. Lady getting... on bell
1: light Remember Le'Veon Bell was a completely different college player and then changed the way he looked by the time he got to Pittsburgh. That's how that's what Kyron Williams has made that big of a jump.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just the workload. I mean, he's 90% of the snaps pretty much every single week. You know, 84% of the running back rush year last week. I don't have the numbers from this week, but it's just the role. He's playing, he's playing everything. Before the injury, they had him running special teams still. He's just the do-everything player for that team. And uh, I mean, that has value. I I guess I'm going to I think a year from now, I probably him the first because I don't like to carry running backs with high valuations into the offseason very often anyway. So that would be the deciding factor for me. But I, I I mean, I think a first is a fine price right now for him.
1: I don't really want to pay it, but I mean, I, I get it. Yeah, he's he's going to be another player we'll talk about throughout the offseason, depending on what happens in Los Angeles, that team's. Uh, kind of in the playoff hunt, kind of not. They, they're they a Jekyll and Hyde team right now, but he's certainly what's going right for Los Angeles. Uh, going to flirt with a thousand yards, scoring touchdowns like crazy. And I think Sean McVay probably proved that his uh, comment from last week was a joke when he said, I have Kyron on my fantasy team because they had <laughs> plenty of t- chances to give him the ball at the goal line on Sunday. And they just, they said, nah, we'll, we'll let Stafford throw it uh that's that's all our time guys this was a fun episode we're gonna keep it up I did want to mention to our listeners that we're gonna start the rookie report here in a few weeks not talking about 2023 rookies but we're gonna unlock those 2024 guys for you so be ready for that stay with us throughout the postseason and of course all through the off season, so you can get all that juicy info and we can set you up for your rookie draft and, and hopefully we'll celebrate a dynasty championship with you for Ryan and Matt I'm Dan thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.
0: Thank
2: you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.